Hi, and welcome to a new episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And this is recorded on the day before my arrival in Santiago de Compostela, at the end of what has been the biggest and longest and hardest walk in my life. Around me, the birds are starting their morning concert because it's uh, 10 to 7 a.m. I just passed the 37 kilometer mark which means I'm almost there. I'm walking through a forest and uh, a minute ago I was surrounded by huge trees with uh, dense foliage so it was almost entirely dark. The sun has not appeared on the horizon yet although the sky is getting lighter and uh, now I'm in uh, uh, a part of the of the woods where the trees are less tall and here on my right is a small meadow and the mist the morning mist is still hanging over the grass that is glistening from the drops of dew and I expect the Sun to be to be up any minute now and it's lovely to walk here all by myself it's very quiet. I was one of the first pilgrims to leave the Alberg, which was located near a little stream and it was a, a hobbit-like bridge that dates back to the Roman times. Um, the Alberg itself consisted out of uh, several old buildings, definitely centuries old, probably part of a farm or something like that, and they transformed every stable into <laughs> stables for pilgrims but I uh, I slept really well uh, which is something by the way that I, I've, I've been uh, lucky to experience in the last week I've really slept well perhaps I'm finally getting used to all these you know the dormitories with uh, sometimes 40 50 60 people in in one room always sleeping on a bunk bed, sometimes on the beds below, although those are usually taken by the elderly, <laughs> the pilgrims that are even older than I am, so I'm, I'm usually relegated to the uh, upper bed, which also has its advantages. But uh, yeah, I slept very well, and I'm still kind of waking up, because I, uh, I usually leave without any coffee without breakfast without uh, I'll just drink a little bit of water sometimes like this morning I'll eat a banana and that's it and then I start walking mainly because I I like to start early um, the main reason for that is uh, today is going to be another warm day we uh, we end this pilgrimage with beautiful weather but the temperatures creep up to uh, yesterday 27, today I think 28 degrees Celsius, so that would be in the 90s. And it only reaches that temperature in the afternoon because we're still early in the year. So right now the temperature cannot be more than 10 degrees or something like that. I mean, if I breathe out, I can still see my, my breath. So it is still cold um, but towards noon the temperature 
will increase very rapidly and then it's really not fun to walk. Um, so I, I like to, to be uh, ahead of that, uh, of, of that uh, rise in temperature. I also like to be ahead of the crowd. We're in the last leg of the, of the pilgrimage and from uh, the 100 kilometer point a lot of new pilgrims have joined us. These are people that don't have the time or the physical ability or whatever other reason to walk a longer distance. And in order to get your, your let's say, your Santiago diploma, <laughs> the, the, the document that proves that you really walked the Camino, you have to walk a minimum of 100 kilometers. And so... Uh, the Camino has definitely been a bit busier than it was for the past few weeks. And it's still much quieter than I thought it would be. Uh, I heard stories from people that walk the Camino in, in the summertime, in July or August. And then this part of the, of the Camino can be almost overcrowded where you are walking in long lines of people and if you want to order uh, coffee at a local bar you sometimes have to wait for a long long time before it's your turn it's like getting coffee at Starbucks <laughs> but um, right now I am because I left so early uh, I'm, I'm all alone and that's how I've been I've been walking the Camino uh, for uh, I would say the last two weeks you know from time to time occasionally I'll walk a, an itinerary a day with uh, someone else someone I, I met along the road and I've made some great new friends I've been walking yesterday part of the trip with uh, Pascal from France he was walking a very interesting itinerary. He went from monastery to monastery. He was a uh, Benedictine oblate. I'm not sure if that's a word in English as well. But it means he's kind of a, a lay person living as much as he can according to, to the rules uh, to the rule of uh, Saint Benedict. And he went from Benedictine or Cistercian monastery to monastery. He actually gave me a list of the places that he had stayed at and I met him right before we arrived at Medina I think or Medin which is a small town uh, famous for its uh, octopus <laughs> don't ask why but they make the best octopus in the world and uh, right before the entrance to the village there was a, uh, a nice bridge and I was trying to film myself walking on the bridge because as you know I'm creating these vlogs of the journey we're going up a hill right now um, and we're back in in a denser forest which you can tell audibly probably because of the birds singing around me uh, these are by the way kind of like the woods that you see in the first movie of the Lord of the Rings where the hobbits are are hiding for the for the uh, the ring wraiths, you see uh, very ancient trees as well here. Huge, thick 
uh, trees with strange shapes and forms almost look alive almost look like ants in a way they must have been here for hundreds of years and uh, with a bit of luck they will still be here hundreds of years from now it always fascinates me that they've seen pilgrims pass them by for centuries all heading to the place where I'm heading today but anyway it's nor here or there now of course I've completely lost the thread of my thought but I've been, uh, so oh, he, he helps me film uh, the, entr the entry to the, to the town, walking over a bridge. And then I heard from his accent that he was from France. Actually, he was from Brittany. Uh, the, the, what is it, the northern, west, northwestern part of, the, of France. Uh, very specific culture. Well, we had a, a great time and he uh, joined me for octopus, which I ate at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and for those of you that think that sounds very gross, it looks really creepy. It looks like, you know, the meal of a, of a, a captain who has just vanquished the evil that lurks below the ocean. You know, it's, it's tentacles and chopped up tentacles. But in order to cook it well, you have to, your timing has to be perfect. And that's what this town is famous for. They know how to prepare octopus so that it doesn't become rubbery or tough. And instead it's, it's really smooth. It's got this nice texture. texture. They add a bit of a, a marinade to it. It's, uh, it's very delicious. And you drink it with some white wine from the region, which is also very nice but I have to say at 10 o'clock in the morning it's a bit much <laughs> so I've been walking with uh, uh, Mr. Song from Korea South Korea originally although he doesn't live there anymore he lives in a Boston area in Auburn Massachusetts and uh, he's worked as a researcher for the American Army he told me that he was had for years he had been developing these uh, very tough materials uh, that they use, a bit like Kevlar, uh, for bulletproof vests, and etc. So uh, that was his specialty. He is now 70, I think. Yeah, he just turned, he told me he just turned 70. He doesn't look like it, like he's 70, but he was walking the Camino along a uh, cherished dream of his. And so he uh, he was Skyping every day with his wife and kids and was hoping to convince them to join him another time on the Camino. And so very nice to meet him, nice guy. And uh, we keep bumping into each other, which is also part of the experience of the Camino. Sometimes you think you've lost someone because uh, that person is either ahead of you or behind you. And then in the next village, or a day or two later, sometimes even weeks later, you meet again. And then it's like encountering an old friend, and you catch up with stories. And it's, uh, that's, that doesn't just happen to me, it happens to a lot of the pilgrims. So, um, the last time I recorded an episode, I think I was at the halfway point, And I'd already seen 
so many things. I told you how the journey began and what I'd learned so far. And uh, I think it could be a, a nice moment to record the second half and tell you about my experiences since that point. Now, I have to be honest, uh, after so many weeks, uh, things tend to blur together. I sometimes wake up and I have no idea what day it is. You lose kind of track of time. And uh, thankfully, we have the Sundays where, you know, Mass <laughs> reminds us of the... Uh, that it's a specific day, and then it kind of resets the counter again. But there are really days. Oh, look, the sun is almost coming up now. If I turn around, I see this orange glow above the trees and the village behind me. Sun is always behind us, of course, since we're walking west. So in order to get the best views and the best sunrises, you have to always turn around from time to time. So uh, when I'm summarizing uh, the things that happened in the last and second half of my of my Camino. Sometimes I may uh, reiterate things that I've already shared with you in the last episode. But uh, I think there is also sufficiently new material <laughs> to share. Um, let me first start by, uh, by, by telling you that when I recorded the first episode, I told you that the Camino was much more physical than I thought it would be. Uh, that is, it was much harder on a physical level, even for someone who is you know, reasonably fit and has run marathons. But I, uh, I experienced that walking is different from running and walking every day and walking these long distances is even more different. And I was kind of hoping that the second half of the journey would be different in the sense that I'd be used to to walking, my feet would be used to walking, and there would be a more, much more spiritual Camino. Now, the spiritual aspect definitely was there and is there, but the physical dimension and the strain it puts on your feet and your legs and your entire system has not diminished. Actually, if I'm perfectly honest, there is not a day that I'm walking without pain. Pain in my feet, sometimes pain in my, in my uh, shins or, or toes or whatever. And even the blisters come back from time to time. I had one blister in the first half and now I have a second one, so I really shouldn't complain. Now we're passing, we're going underneath the highway. And here on the right is a guy who sells wooden walking sticks. And he makes them himself, because he's currently making one. And they have all sorts of different shapes and forms. And now in this tunnel underneath the highway. And then uh, we're moving to the left. I'm approaching some other pilgrims. Oh, the, the road goes up again. This is another thing you don't get used to. It's these climbs. There's a lot of climbing. There are a lot of mountains and a lot of hills. And uh, the trick is to do it slowly. Walk small steps. 
but it's uh, <laughs> it never gets easy, honestly. I have been really good at going down mountains. Other people sometimes struggle with that. That has never been a problem for me. But it's going up, 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 up. And sometimes at the end of a of a of a leg of a of a day journey, you would uh, you would. Uh, walk for hours next to a highway on concrete and it's so painful on the feet because the shock is much harder than it normally is. Oh wow, oh this is a beautiful, beautiful view. And uh, I'm now much higher than I was so I can totally see this golden haze above the, the uh, I always doubt whether it's mountains or hills. These are, I think, hills. Unless you climb them, then they feel like mountains. But it's beautiful, the light. I've been taking lots of pictures every day. And uh, it's, it's really, really pretty. Uh, Spain is much more diverse than I thought. So the physical aspect of the journey has remained quite a challenge. And there are days that I wake up and uh, I tell myself, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> My feet are still hurting from yesterday and I have to walk another five hours or six hours. And uh, however, it is true. You know what? I'm going to pass by these people. Otherwise, I'm going to bore them with my, with my podcast recording. Buenos dias. Buen camino. Hola. And uh, no, that's always something that happens in the morning. You walk in uh, on Camino. Uh, for a while you walk alone and then you, you stumble upon other pilgrims that are walking at a different pace. And then you walk some more and then you walk alone again. Uh, still going up slightly, hence the panting. And I'm accelerating a little bit so as to not bother the uh, the other pilgrims and we're getting a view again on the right side and uh, the sun should be visible any minute now beautiful uh so the uh the walking has been tough but it's part i think i've been thinking about this is is this uh is this just me or is this uh, a downside of doing a pilgrimage? I think it's an integral part of it. A lot of people in the past would use, would, would walk the, the Camino as penance. It was a sign that you wanted to change your life. Uh, and it is, penance is a kind of a gift. Penance does have a negative. Uh, so there's the sun, there's the sun. Now she's coming up. You know what? I gotta stop here for a second and, and take a photo of this. Because that only lasts for about a second. And then, boom, it's gone. So there you go. Captured that moment. And, uh, let me go back to recording. The, uh, the, but penance does, uh, usually include 
a bit of suffering, a bit of, you know, giving up things and, and, and uh, it has its hard penance sometimes, unless it's a small penance for... Uh, but but the, the idea of, of, of penance is, is repair. It is... Uh, so it's not a, a punishment. I wouldn't say it's, it's not like you, you ran a red light and then you, you have to pay a couple of hundred bucks <laughs> or euros because you've you, uh, committed a, a, a crime and, and that's, that's your... Uh, um, <laughs> that's your, 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 your sentence or something. Um, penance is, is more meant to be as I understand it, as a way for you to help God repair you. And even though, in, for instance, in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, God forgives you, but the traces, as it were, the, the, the traces of the, of the wounds that sin causes in you are still present. And just like a scar can sometimes still hurt, and make itself felt. Uh, in a way, our soul uh, can can also incur these these scars. They're, they are traces of the sins that may have been forgotten, but still need healing. And uh, what what sin also does is to uh, kind of uh, give you a certain inclination. To, uh, I'm trying to, to think uh, theology in the morning before I had my first coffee. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I'm getting distracted by the beautiful sunrise behind me. Which I should probably... Should I stop? Yeah, I should stop and take another picture. Because it's too beautiful. Ah, gorgeous. Now only if my lens wouldn't be uh, dirty... That's a problem with these small phones. You always accidentally touch the lens and then get smudges on it, which you don't notice unless you take a picture uh, of the sun. All right, let me see if I can clean it now. There you go. Now it's now it's nice. Very good. All right, here we go again. So. Uh, sin does uh, leave its traces and makes it potentially easier to fall back in the same sin. Think of an addiction to uh, cigarettes, for instance, and someone who hasn't, or, or, or booze or whatever. Uh, even if someone may be completely clean and uh, has given up smoking or drinking or whatever uh, the it has still caused the body to uh, to be more inclined in the future to go back to that addiction and in a way sin does that with us I think spiritually where uh, because sin can be a habit if you have for instance an inclination to uh, to always curse or be quickly mad at people, uh, be resentful. 
that becomes a, a habit, a habitual reaction to things. Sometimes uh, it, it will it will make you angry again uh, because even though your past mistake or fault or sin has been forgiven, you still have that inclination. And it takes time to heal to become a different person. That's a long story to explain how I think penance can help us cure and heal because for an extended time we are learning new habits and we're giving up things to make room for what is truly essential and ultimately the more room we make for God the more he becomes our habit in life he becomes an habitual uh, uh, guest in our house so to say uh, and and where he is all our bad habits our sins our our uh, aggression etc etc cannot cannot stay because his life is too strong so that penitential aspect of the of the journey has been uh, definitely a part of of my experience of the camino uh, and uh, for me it's also a way to it, one one of the reasons that I wanted to walk this camino was to be with God for an extended time uh, to make as much room as I could for him also realizing and recognizing that there are times in my life where I don't make enough room for him even though my work as a priest has always to do with God and the gospel there is still a difference between the graces that you receive to serve the the people of God and to serve the church and your personal uh, grace or state of mind or whatever so uh, for instance a, a priest who who doesn't pray can still deliver beautiful homilies in the long run no <laughs> that will derail his homilies as well because it, it's not nourished anymore but and on the contrary someone who is very bad at preaching <laughs> and doesn't have people skills can still be a very holy person um, so it's but the the ideal of course and our, our calling in life especially people who work in God's vineyard priests and bishops and religious we're called to have those two as much aligned as possible and to live a, a life of grace and to share those graces and so I felt after 20 years of the priesthood, it was time to make as much room for God for the, for the next decade, or I don't know how many years I will be uh, living on this earth and serving as a priest. But I do know that I want to be a good priest, as, as good as possible, and to live my life as closely to God as I can and uh, the the Camino has been this time to give up everything else that's the penitential aspect of it to give up the comfort give up the uh, 
you know, the, the food, although, you know, we've been eating quite well along the Camino, but the fact that I can't cook my own food and it's a bit monotonous over time, <laughs> always the same pilgrim's menus. Um, giving up, in a certain way, freedom, because you have to walk. Uh, on the other hand, there is a lot of freedom, because the, there, is, there are a lot of the constraints in, in, in my day-to-day -day life that are not present right now. But, and also the kind of the physical strain it puts on your body, the, 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 the decision that you take every morning to go through that again, because of a greater good, which is to walk with God, that, after six weeks, has a transformative aspect, I think. And that's what I meant with the penitential aspect of it. It is healing me as a priest. It is um, making me more the priest that God wants me to be. And the the... the most important aspect of it is um, to, to walk with the Lord every single day. Going downhill again through the forest, surrounded by beautiful trees. Hola, buen camino. And uh, the, uh, the, the road is a little bit bumpy. Although I've seen worse. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I have my walking stick. By the way, a little excursion here in some psalms and prayers. God is uh, compared to a walking stick. And I never really got that <laughs> image until now. Because, wow, this walking stick is so important. And it's helped me so much. Both when I am in pain and it helps me get the pressure off one of my feet or, or knees and also to to uh, stick in the ground when the, the road gets bumpy and so it helps me to keep my balance in many ways God is like that he is uh, someone someone that supports me and that helps me to keep my balance <laughs> when the road gets tough and uh so that transformation, bit by bit, every single day, because of the, the constant nature of this walking, it definitely does its work. It doesn't mean that it, it uh, gets any easier, by the way. Uh, just the other day, I had, um, I had a bit of a crisis, which I did not expect at this stage being so close to Santiago, but I, I was in a, a private alberg, not too many people around me. I, there were none of the people that I had met along the uh, Camino that were in the same place as I was. And the village was boring and I, I arrived early, I had nothing to do. And I had, was so homesick. I just saw photos that uh, People posted on Facebook of the first communion celebration in church. And I was sitting there on the edge of my bed and I was feeling miserable. I was like, why am I here? I want to be home. I miss my parishioners. I miss my parish. I miss my life that I had. And I was really feeling miserable. 
and uh, it didn't last long, fortunately, but I have these moments, and, and uh, it's also, what's very interesting is that, uh, I'm crossing, crossing a little creek here, goes underneath the road, and the road goes up again, so we're climbing. There's a big tree that has fallen over the road, well, it's a bit, I can still walk underneath it, I hope it doesn't crush any pilgrims in the future. Um, I dream a lot, or of course we all dream every night, but we don't remember our dreams. But because I keep waking up so early, 5.30, I'm usually at the end of vivid dreams, and all my dreams have been about home. Isn't that crazy? I haven't had a single dream that I can remember of the Camino. Like, uh, not this night, but the night before I had dreamt of Ikea. <laughs> I was at Ikea and uh, at the restaurant and I don't know, we were buying furniture. I, I don't know. And, and I woke up and I was like, ah, I want to go to Ikea now. <laughs> and it takes me a while to realize that I'm in Spain and that I'm walking the Camino. So my mind also has still has trouble to get used to the fact that I'm walking the Camino and I'm living a different life now, temporarily. Oh, we're going up a big mountain here. There is supposed to be a big mountain on this journey. I think it's called the Mountain of Joy because on the top of the mountain you will be able to see Santiago in the distance. And so the pilgrims would leap for joy after weeks and sometimes months of walking. Uh, but joy is often preceded by suffering <laughs> when you climb up a mountain. So uh, that's enough about the penitential aspect of it, but it, it has really been changing me and it doesn't happen in a, in a few days. It takes time, it takes these weeks, I think, at least for me to... And that, that kind of joins something else that I wanted to share with you. Uh, one of the biggest stages of the Camino is the Meseta. It's this, uh, these highlands, you go up a mountain and then you walk for several days in the plains and everything is flat. It looks a lot like the Netherlands and you're surrounded by nothing. Well, no. you're surrounded by fields of wheat, fields of, of uh, plowed ground, uh, uh, soil, but there are no villages and there are no trees. Uh, there, there's nothing, no coffee, very important. <clears throat> and uh, it is an important stage, not the most easy stage of the Camino, to, to reflect because there's nothing else to distract you. You have time to think. And before I started that Meseda, I, I had these ideas that it would be a revelatory time where I would have these huge insights in my life and discover new truths. And I was even kind of pushing myself to, to reflect upon the big questions of life. 
And I kept being disappointed at myself because the only thing I was thinking of was coffee. <laughs> and uh, I was, at one point I was even blaming myself, like, you're so superficial. Why don't you have these big insights? This is supposed to be the moment and it's not happening. And that's where I discovered, I think, something very important of the Camino. At least my Camino. My Camino was not about great insights, finding out the truth about who I am. This wasn't soul-searching that I was doing. My initial motivation to walk the Camino was to spend time with God. It is to walk with Him. It was like a second honeymoon after my ordination 20 years ago, having time to renew my life with him and of course that could give you insights and it has uh, taught me things about who I am but it wasn't the main goal and so somewhere halfway through the Meseda this dawned upon me because until then I'd been I'd been forcing myself to think about a question uh, I was like well what is the biggest issue in my life and I'm thinking stress. It's uh, this restlessness, uh, the feeling that I always have to move on and I have to do 10 things at once. It's causing a lot of problems in my life. And then on the, on the Meseda, that day, it was a very wet day. It had rained during the night and it was kind of strange weather between sunshine and, and dark rain clouds. And a lot of snails were crossing the road. And uh, it struck me how much the snails are, are like pilgrims because they carry whatever they need on their back. That's all they have, just like us. But the snail was going at his own pace, no hurry whatsoever. Um, and he would get there anyway. So I'm thinking, oh, well, that's perhaps the biggest lesson for me to learn on the Meseda. I uh, need to learn to slow down and I need to be uh, less stressed about always wanting to deliver and to do things and to accomplish things. It's about my own pace. Then, oh, we're getting at a T-junction here. I'm not sure if we have to go left or right. I think we're on top of the hill. I hope so. Uh, Let's see, hello. I know, it's straight on through the forest. And uh, the light is getting more and more beautiful, by the way. I see like, these golden beams of sunlight streaming through the, the thick trees. Beautiful. Um, so, the, uh, I, th I thought the, the, the message was slow down, take it easy. And some people had been scolding me on, on Facebook, gently, kindly, but still, that I was going too fast. I was walking long distances every day, 35 kilometers, you know, I did much more than the majority of pilgrims. And people told me, slow down, don't go so fast, enjoy each, each day, it's gonna be over before you know it. Uh, take it easy, 
why are you in such a rush? And I felt initially that that was kind of reinforcing uh, what I what I thought was something I needed to learn is to not want so much. But then, uh, I think it was on a Sunday in church, the priest in his homily uh, reflected upon the phrase in the gospel where Jesus says, I am the way. And in Spanish, he used the word camino. He said, I am, yo soy, yo soy el camino. I am the camino. And I, for some reason, I, that stuck with me. And the next day, my only question that day while walking was, what does that mean? I am the way. I am the Camino. What does that mean? What does it mean to me? What, 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 what I mean, I've, I've heard that. And sure, Jesus is the way to the Father. Uh, you cannot really know God if you don't know Jesus in the sense that Jesus says, you want to see the Father, look at me. Who sees me sees the Father. And uh, so Jesus is the way towards God the Father. But that's still a, kind of a theological um, uh, thought. What does it mean to me right now in my life here on the Camino? Jesus says, I am the Camino. I think what it, what it meant to me at that stage was... I am not walking towards something. The goal of the Camino is not the distance that you walk, the number of days, but it is being on the Camino, being with Jesus. He is the Camino. And if I'm walking on this road, the most important aspect of that is that I am with Him. And He's with me. And that takes away the the goal setting in a way <laughs> because I've already reached my goal my goal was to be with him he is the Camino I am on the Camino so I am with him and and uh, but it also it also um, had bigger repercussions because I kept thinking about that so if I am on the Camino I am with the Lord then why am, am I so worried that I'm going too fast <laughs> because I'm with him. So it doesn't matter if I if I walk 35 kilometers or 20 because I <laughs> I'm not walking the Camino, the ideal Camino that is in the booklets that that prescribe you a certain number of kilometers that tell you where to stop. I'm not walking the Camino of the followers on Facebook that have already walked the Camino and that want to, of course, help me with their tips and may think that, you know, I'm walking much faster and farther than they would do, but I'm not walking their Camino either. I'm walking my Camino and I feel good walking long stretches. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that I enjoyed walking longer distances, longer than the usual uh, legs that were in the booklets, is that I enjoy being on the road. I don't really like to be 
in the villages, uh, in the albergs. And sometimes they, they are pleasant, but I am at my happiest when I'm walking because then I am, I am free to think and to pray and I'm, I'm, with, the, I'm with the Lord. That, that is why I wanted to start the Camino. It's to walk, not to sit on the edge of my bed waiting for dinner time. <laughs> so I, I, at one point during that Meseta, I told myself, you know what? I'm no longer going to worry about whether I'm going too fast, whether I'm too ambitious. I don't tell myself to slow down. I'll slow down when I'm tired. But when I'm feeling good and there is still time and I can walk, I will walk. Because this is my Camino. This is my journey with the Lord. And He is not there at the end of each leg, rewarding me with His presence when I walked slow pace or whatever. No, He is there with me. And that's what matters. And that brings me to a third um, experience that I wanted to share with you. And that is perhaps the most the profound issue that I had to face during the Camino. Here's another Albert, but I think it is closed. Oh, there are lots of writings here in small leaflets <laughs> hanging on the wall. These are this is, this is the stuff that we've been seeing so many times. It's all these wisdoms that people scribble down in graffiti or on pieces of paper or on rocks and <laughs> it's oftentimes it's kind of these truth truthisms truisms <laughs> it's like when you open your eyes you don't have them closed walk and every step will bring you further it's like yep <laughs> all right sounds very profound but actually it's just an open door <laughs> <clears throat> Anyway, it's uh, another expression, I think, of, of the thoughts that people are thinking. Uh, who am I to judge? Um, the, uh, the biggest issue that I became aware of, well, and I already knew this, but it became part of my Camino, was when I was walking towards the Cruz de Ferro. This is uh, another famous stage of the Camino, where you climb a mountain, and uh, on top of that mountain is a is a cross of 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 iron, an iron cross. It's very old, very ancient. I think the original is uh, in a museum. I think it was in a town where you had the Gaudi House, the Episcopal Palace that was designed by Gaudi, or crossing a bridge over a highway that is still in development. That's funny. You see, down below, what ultimately is going to be a highway, but right now it's just mud. But they already dig, dug the, the trench for the highway. Cool. Anyway, so the uh, cross is mounted on a big wooden pole. And uh, over the years, people have been carrying stones up that mountain. And... The, and uh, they put the stones around that cross. And so it became a small hill of, of rocks. 
And on the stones, people would write their sorrows and their burdens in life. And uh, the, uh, what I did at the beginning of that um, day was to find myself a stone, a, a, a rock, that I carried up the mountain. I held it in my right hand. And I'm, I was thinking, what is my burden in life that I want to put under the cross. It's very much like an expression of what the gospel says, what Jesus says in the gospel. You know, give me your burden. Uh, so I was carrying that stone, and, and that's an interesting aspect of these rituals. It helps you it, uh, to, to reflect and to think about it, because that stone was a big stone. It was heavy and it was cumbersome. It was bothering me because I had the stick in my left hand and sometimes I wanted to take my phone to take a picture. But I had the stone as well. So it was really just like a burden. It was heavy and it was cumbersome, just like the things that are burdening us in, in life. And so I kept focusing on that. So what is the biggest burden? And the biggest burden in my life, I think, has been this trauma of uh, that that I think formed or happened when I was still a child in in primary school when a teacher scolded me um, and said that I uh, was underperforming and uh, if I you know he would give me a couple of weeks to do better to get better grades and if not dot 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 you know he would get angry or whatever he didn't even specify what would happen but it scared me so much and I remember that from that moment on I worked so hard to get better grades because I felt if I don't it's gonna be doom and uh, I can only get the respect of this teacher when I get these high grades and it's been an uh, I think something that it's often with with children it sounds like a simple thing but to me as a child it was huge it was life-defining in a way it's like this feeling never left me anymore again that if I wanted people's respect I had to work harder than anyone else and I had to be better than anyone else I had to do more than anyone else and it, it pushed me a lot. So in that respect, <laughs> what the teacher wanted to, obviously he did not realize the repercussions that this, this would have in my life. But what he hoped was that I would do better at school, which I did, and I excelled, and all through high school as well, and university as well. Always high grades, always working hard, and, uh, but there was a downside of this attitude, which was that it is it was it's it influenced every single part of my of my life in that I felt that I could only get the respect of people if I would work hard, if I would do more and more and more. It's the the people pleaser in me that always wanted to 
to please everyone and to never be you know never underperform never not even to other people you know you can you can underperform in your own to your own standards but in my case it was always it was even like underperforming to anyone else's standards and oftentimes i would resent people for putting pressure on me whereas in fact i was imagining that pressure it it, it was that that <laughs> reflex that always tries to think ahead you know what would what would gain me the respect from that person what do i have to do whereas oftentimes that was just in my mind um it even happened this is this has been an ongoing problem for me with people that are that have a, a position of superiority to me uh whether it is uh the president of a seminary or a bishop uh or when i would have these jobs during vacation time it was my boss in the in the world of of media where i work it's also the people that uh, judge my my work i would have this i would have so much difficulty re- relating to them in a normal way because i would al- always project on them this image of that teacher that wanted me to do better and to excel and to prove that i was worth his respect and the thing is what i and i've been thinking a lot about this on the camino also thinking back of of situations in the past oftentimes those expectations weren't there they were in my mind i thought that i had to please everyone and had to overperform to get people's respect and that led to the the big trap of getting overworked and of being stressed all the time whereas it's not necessary <laughs> you do what you can you try to do it well but do it mostly because you love doing it because it's important to you but not because it it tries to to meet a a a a, a fictitious expectation and so that stone that i had in my right hand became that that was my biggest burden i realized that is even the the temptation to slow down on the camino to uh listen too much to the comments on facebook of people that told told me that i was going too fast or that i was you know not not doing the camino as i was supposed to do it a lot of that created this tension and this conflict in me like am i am i doing this well and for, for me the the biggest the, the lesson that i learned on the, on the meseta that i yo soy el camino i am the camino you are already with me i'm already with you that's perhaps even better to say it means that jesus doesn't have these expectations he doesn't want me to to meet some imaginary goal bef- before he loves me hola buen camino 
passing by a bar with coffee and I'm very tempted to get a cup of coffee but I am not done recording this so I'm, I'll move to the next bar don't worry oh, there's a rooster that wakes up a little bit late <laughs> so um, I walk up to that cross and the hill is much smaller than I thought it would be because you, you see pictures of this and they're always taking from a low perspective so you think it's this enormous mountain of rocks but yeah it's actually quite small but I carry my rock put it at the foot of the cross praying you know this is this was my burden I don't want this to be a burden anymore I, I want to walk with you and that's good enough and I will no longer blame other people for putting pressure on me when I am the one who is imagining that pressure because I think that their respect or kindness is 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 de depends on what I do and what how I perform and even if it does in some cases that is still not my problem because I'm walking with you and that should be enough that's all you ask of me and so, and so the moment I put down that stone I felt literally the burden coming off my shoulders and I still may have that reflex in the future but this moment will always be in my mind as a reminder that that burden is self-inflicted the people pleaser in me is not the fault of other people it is time to realize that what matters in life is to walk on the Camino, to walk with Jesus who is the Camino and that everything else doesn't matter anymore. Even stronger, now that I'm approaching Santiago de Compostela, I've been asking myself, well, why do I walk to the this place where, where James is venerated, what, what does he mean to me? And more every, every day that I think about this, the more I feel like St. James is my soulmate. He's an apostle. I'm a priest. I serve my bishop, who is one of the successors of, of James and the other apostles. But James was a regular guy just like me. He one day was called by Jesus come and follow me that's what he did he walked with Jesus oftentimes like the others not understanding oftentimes flawed definitely someone who was still learning what it meant to be an apostle making big mistakes <laughs> uh, with, with, but he was he was called and Jesus wanted him as an apostle and 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 that's what he did he followed Jesus even though he may have had his doubts as well and uh, I suppose I have to go yeah the road to the left is not a road it leads to the farm here on the left so the, uh, the James in a way is uh, is, is <laughs> It's just like me, and, and it feels good to, to know that I can be 
a follower of Jesus, like James, like Peter, like all the others, with my flaws, with my limitations, walking at my own pace, in my own way, with my talents, and also with my limitations. But it's still Jesus who asked me to walk with him. And that's all that matters. And James was not a super apostle. I mean, he was a saint. He became a saint. That's what I strive to as well. But it doesn't mean that he didn't have his flaws and his doubts and his moments of anguish and, and, and failure. But what mattered, what made him a saint was that he walked with Jesus for the rest of his life. That's what I want to do as well. So I'm walking towards a role model here. Someone who I don't, he's not like an unattainable ideal, but what makes James, for me, such an important uh, role model is that I can relate to him. And he is, he's showing me that the only thing that matters is to walk with Jesus. And that is fulfilling enough. You don't need to add your own, your own uh, accomplishments to that. Walking with him is, is an accomplishment by itself. It's enough. So anyway, that was for me uh, another big moment. And I think I will often think back of this, of this stone, this rock, this burden that I carried with me for far too long and letting go of it will make me a happier priest and will also help me to be more merciful towards the people that I initially perceived to have all these demands or forced me to meet all these demands. That is all in my mind. Last, last thing that I wanted to share with you, I, I, I told you that I I was walking uh, for these last 100 kilometers with a lot of new pilgrims. Um, and I like to be alone. I like to, to walk alone because it helps me to, to think and to pray. And I get quickly distracted if, the, if there are a lot of people around me that are talking to each other because I, because I understand quite a few languages. I, I start to listen to their conversation and then I'm... I'm no longer praying. So I like to sometimes accelerate a little bit to walk alone, just like I'm right now. Uh, but one of, the, one of the impulses that I had to correct uh, during this Camino was my judgmental nature. <laughs> How quickly are you walking behind someone and you're like, ah, those are really not the shoes she, she should be wearing or that backpack is too heavy, or oh, you can tell that these guys are, are, are not uh, walking the Camino seriously enough because they're talking about television and sports. And, and every time when these thoughts cross my mind, I'm telling myself, don't judge. They are walking their Camino, just, you, just like you are walking your Camino. And if you don't like other people to tell you you're going too fast or you're doing this wrong or that wrong why do you do that to other people 
And it's been a good exercise for, for six weeks to constantly correct myself as soon as I notice that I'm judging someone, even if it's about stupid little things, I'm trying to correct myself, don't judge. The reason is that everyone here on this Camino has his or her own reasons to walk here. And they do it in their way. And if they have to learn something, your judgment is not going to help them. <laughs> What what helps is if you actually help, you know, a week ago or a little bit longer, there was this uh, student from South Korea and he wanted to walk the Camino and it had an incredible pace at like 40, 50 kilometers per day, but he had no shoes, he had no equipment, he, he was under-trained and so he had these huge blisters and my first thought was, man, don't be so stupid. And I'm thinking, don't judge, but help. And so I helped him with the blisters and some other pilgrims helped him. And I'm thinking, that's what I should do. Don't judge, but help. That's the way to make the world better. And I hope I can, uh, that that too becomes uh, an, an ongoing habit of mine. Whenever I feel that I'm judging someone, uh, correct myself, just like, like I've been doing on the Camino. Don't judge. That's their Camino. God will guide them. And don't judge, but help if you can. And, and well, I think that's a lesson in life. Uh, it sounds rather obvious, but to me, it, it, it's important. It's very important. It's just one of these things that you realize along the way. Wow, I'm much more judgmental than I thought I was. But uh, it's not about judging, it's about helping that matters. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you. I'm, I'm sure that there are many other uh, insights that will come to me over time uh, when I'm digesting this, this big itinerary. I am getting increasingly excited to arrive at Santiago de Compostela. I don't feel like it's been too long or too short. It's been just the right time for me. I'm I'm ready to finish. I'm I'm I would I would say oh yeah I'm done I'm done with the Camino. I think I've learned what God wanted me to learn and uh but I'm also eager to go home and to be with my parishioners again to take up my old life uh, because I love my life and I love what I do and I enjoy it so much and I'm so thankful uh, for that I can do the work that I do as a priest so in that respect I don't dread the return at all not at all but I will also cherish these weeks I never thought <laughs> it was so hard I never thought it would be like this um, and I never thought it would be this fulfilling. And so, as I'm surrounded by beauty, another forest that I'm crossing, and the sun is, I'm turning around now, and the sun is streaming through the, the, the green leaves. I'm saying goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and I hope uh, that some of the lessons that I learned can help you in your journey on your Camino as well. Take care, God bless, and I'll talk to you soon.